If you could stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Let's open our Bibles in John 3.16. And the kids are dismissed. John 3.16 this morning and 17. Let's look at what God has to say in His Word. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, probably one of the most popular verses known amongst Christian people. Lord, we quoted from heart many times, Lord. We know this verse. We see it in the ballparks. We see it in, written in trucks, in trailers. We see them all over the place, Lord. But it's a profound statement made by the lips of Jesus, Lord. And just pray, Father, if there's someone here this morning and never received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, may today, may today they open their hearts to you. And Lord, I pray for those who are on social media watching us. May they anchor down and listen the words of God this morning and open their hearts to you as well. And I pray for God's people. Lord, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart, Lord, for those who are lost. Lord, we rub shoulders with it every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we'll continue this morning with our uh, theme for the year, refocus. You know, I say this and I say it again. Today we have the cell phones. We don't need to refocus because the phone, when you go to take a picture, it focuses for you. But I remember, I mean, I, I'm a little too old already, I guess. In those days, that when you had to take a picture, you had to focus that thing. Otherwise, you had a blurry picture. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, in our own lives, we need to refocus. You know, like to settle that, that stuff down so we can refocus on what is important. It's a lot of stuff that goes around us every day. A lot of things. That sometimes you need to, if you focus, we say, well, I don't know how this thing creep in here and this other thing creep in here. So we need to refocus. I think more than ever, we need to refocus in God's word. We need to refocus on that. Actually, I'm going to show you something that I share with, kids, with the kids this morning and about the same thing. How can, uh, uh, how can the, God, uh, the word of God make you a better person? You know, this is, this is the outline I give them. And I'm going to share with you. Hear it, handle it, hide it, hold on to it. That was my four points I gave it to them this morning. The same thing for us. If we go into uh, refocus, we need to hold down what was imp important to us. So we need to refocus as our thing for the year. If you look at that wall, it's right there. It's our thing for the year. Refocus on what is important. Is God's word important to you? Is God's word relevant to you? So we live in a society today that, you know, me, myself, and I, pretty much, you know, we live in a victim mentality type of world. But today is like, is God's word relevant to me? Does, can God, can God's word make a difference in my life? Yeah, so this morning, we will continue with our series. And is our series, and within the series, it's called, What is in my mind? So what's in your mind this morning? Some people, unfortunately, they live with empty minds. It's nothing there. It's like, you know, you can go there, 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 nothing there. Other people have their minds full of garbage. You know, just garbage after garbage. You know, other people have their minds is full of God's Word. 
You know, it, it, our minds is full of stuff. You know, but if we need to refocus on what is important, then we're going to take things out, but we don't live it empty. We've got to put things in. Let's put God's word in. So, okay? So what's in my mind? I think that living in such a busy society with so many things to do, many places to go, many problems to resolve, we need to stop from time to time and take a survey of our mind from time to time. So like, what's in this mind? Can I take this out? Yes, clean it up. So for those of you who've been saved, this might be just another message on salvation. But I encourage you this morning to never lose, listen to this, the wonderful wonder of salvation. You know, I never get over, I never, I never got over of that day that I gave my life to Christ. Folks, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. You know, I was not a little kid with Bibles around me. I was already married and had two kids. You know, I was already, you know, manipulated by this world. But I tell you what, I remember the day that I received Christ as my Savior, and I never get over. Still, like, when I think about it, how can God save the wretch like me? A sinner like me. So this morning... I just maybe uh, might be a review for all of us, for those of us who are saved about a wonderful gift of salvation. But for those who really never asked Jesus for forgiveness for their sin and received Jesus as their Savior this morning, you will have to, you have the opportunity to make peace with God. I remember when my dad was dying of cancer and I got the chair next to my father in a hospital. And I look at him, I said, Dad, don't you think it's time to make peace with God? Here's his words. It's time. It's time. See, he made peace with God before he departed to go to heaven. I tell you what, if you're not saved here this morning, if you're not saved on social media, you're not ready to die. You don't want to die in that condition. So this passage details the conversation between the Lord and Nicodemus. Here the Lord says very plainly that He came unto the world to provide salvation for mankind. So the matter of salvation is of a vital importance for every human being. You can be a member of a church. Your mom and dad can be saved. You can be Christians. You can be religious as you can be. It doesn't give you heaven. You need Jesus. So you see, what you do about your salvation will determine where you will spend eternity. So before we move in deep into this message, I want you to offer uh, up the definition of this word, saved. How we sing this morning, saved. What does that mean, saved? I'll tell you what. The first time I heard the word many times, but the first time I had a preacher come to my house, Pastor Strickland, Sam Strickland, some of you remember who he is. Oh, you know, he's still kicking out this, and I don't talk to him in several years. But he says to me, he said, are you saved? You know what? Sometimes we, we Christians throw this word left and right, and we don't think about it. Some people don't get it. So when he told me that, I looked at him, and with the honesty of my heart, I said to him, what are you talking about? I have no enemy as far as I know. I'm not in danger. I'm sitting in my house. Saved. Of course I'm saved. Then he said again, are you saved from your sin? I just thought, like, sin, what's that? See how desensitized a person can become? They don't even understand what sin is. 
So we sometimes, you know, we talk about sin and saved within the walls of the church, and we forget many times there are people outside of the walls of the church. They have no clue what we talk about. Because think about it. We live in an age that many people never, never went to a church. Their parents never went to a church, so they don't know what's going on. So we have to sometimes, we have to use words to simplify or go talk in their own language to actually make them understand what sin is, what safe is. So folks, some people get it immediately. They understand. Others, they don't understand. I eventually, I understood, but it took time to, seek, to sink in my mind what it was. So the word saved is a wonderful word. And I tell you, I, for those of us who are Christians here, we would say, I'm glad I'm saved. Aren't you glad you saved this morning? I'm glad I'm saved this morning. So, folks, the Bible says here that unless a person is saved, then they will die in their sin, and they will spend eternity, not in heaven with the Lord, but according to the Bible, they will find an awful place with many preachers don't like to use these days. It's called hell. And that's a place, not a figure of imagination is a real place where real people go. I say this to people. The hell is full of people with great intentions. They did so good, so much good for humanity, but that's as far as they went. So now, no right-thinking person wants to go to hell. Who wants to go to a place of suffering? I don't think that anyone in this place wants to go to a place like that. But what we do when we reject, reject Jesus... We're literally saying, I, that's what I want to go. And some people say, how could a good God, like you say, a, a, a God of mercy and forgiveness send people to hell? Folks, let me put it this morning. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He never will do. You know what? He gave the opportunity for everybody to go to heaven. People go to hell on their own. That's, the, that's why they want to go. Not let God want them to go there. Listen, if you, if you don't believe me, you need to look at Calvary's cross. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin this so you wouldn't go to a place of suffering. So now we Christians know that, that what it means to be saved. And I think that we, we want to tell this to other people. But this morning we're going to talk about this word saved. What it means to be saved. What is the definition of this word? So let's look at, several, several, uh, at this message from several points this morning. Number one, God promised to save you. So, folks, we all have to come to that place in our lives on which we do believe the Lord promised, that the Lord's promise are real, or we totally, uh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, that the Lord's promise are real. It's not like God doesn't make empty promises. We live in a world today full of people with empty promises. People say something today, and tomorrow if you talk to them, you go, oh, I changed my mind. But you promise, like, well, but I changed my mind. Listen, God promised and His promise stay. When God promised salvation, He worked on that salvation. He sent His Son. Salvation was paid full and is free. Free for everyone. That scared me. You know? But you know what? God did not change His plan or change His promise to you and me. His promise still stands. You know, men kind of try to deviate everything in the promises of God. But let me tell you. It don't matter how intelligent men may become. It don't matter how much society move on. God's promise still stands. Salvation still through Jesus. That's how it goes. So God's promise, promise to save you. 
Letter A, it is an old promise. In the beginning, when God made man in his image and men decided to sin against the Lord, God made a promise to Eve in the Garden of Eden and to Adam. Uh, you know why? He made that promise. And that promise, actually, go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. You want to see what it says there. What a great promise God made to the human race. Look what it says in Genesis 3, 15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And I shall bruise thy head, and they shall bruise his heel. So now keep in mind that when Adam and Eve fell into sin, God didn't panic. Neither did took, uh, it took the Lord by surprise. You think God panicked? No, God created us to, 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 to be able to think right and wrong. You know what? You know what? Even they live in the age of innocence. When they sin against God, God didn't say, Oh, goodness, what am I going to do right now? They sin against me. No. It was already a plan in place. That plan was already there for mankind. So God promised to provide man salvation is even older than that. Actually, Revelation 13, 8 says, says that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Peter uh, takes even further in 1 Peter 1, 20, says, who really was uh, foreordained before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world. So these verses tells us that even... Uh, uh, before there was a sin to, to, to be saved, before there was even sin to be cleansed, the Lord already had a plan. See, God is ahead of all of us. You know, we panic about tomorrow. Oh, what's, oh, oh how am I going to do for tomorrow? God's already there. God's already there. You know what we need to do? Trust the Lord. Amen. You know, once calamity comes in our country, we all panic. Oh, you know what's going to happen? We're going to have food. I don't know. Listen, God will take care of us. It takes faith to go there. You know, what if I die? You go to heaven. You know, everybody loves Jesus. Nobody wants to go home. <laughs> you know what? When we depart from this world, what a wonderful place to be, heaven with the Lord forever. So even in the Old Testament, there is a glorious glimpse of the promises of God to save the sinner. You see this in Isaiah 45, verse 22, Isaiah 43, 11. So God has always been and always will be a saving God. His promise to save is old as God. I mean, I say God himself because God is, doesn't have age. God has always been. But anyway, is it that salvation is a wonderful promise before even the foundation of the world. I'll tell you what. I don't understand why people reject God. I, I don't understand. They say, well, you rejected God. They say, well, I did. But you know what? It always torn me apart. Even when people witnessed to me. Let it be. It is an ongoing promise. While God's promise is older than, than the world and even older than mankind, it is still in, in, as, as the power to keep saving people. So the promise is valid today and it, and it, ha, and, and it continues to be. So if you ever uh, contemplate, contemplate if God can save you, like if you lost here today, if you contemplate, can God save me? The answer is and always will be yes, God can save you. Look what it says in John chapter 5, verse 24. Actually, go there. John chapter 5, verse 24. So I want you to see from God's word. Look what it says. Verily, or truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth, heareth my words, or my word, and believe on him that sent me, had everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but pass from death unto life. 
In Acts chapter 16, 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So the promise has never been and never will lose his great power. God is a saving God, and his power is as strong as today as it was in the past, and it will be until Jesus comes. So the promise still stands. God's promise is an ongoing promise. It means every day someone can get saved. You know what we need to do? God's people, we need to tell the world about how they can find the Savior. You know, aren't you glad somebody told you about the Savior? We need the same thing too. Let us see. It's an open promise. It's an open promise. That, that here, I'm telling you, that's where this preacher right here have a problem with Calvinists. I do have a problem with those guys. You know why? Because I believe whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. It's not certain people that get saved and have, uh, somebody else has no hope at all. I believe every human being that is saved to this world has hope of heaven. The salvation is there. Do you want it or you want to reject it? But I tell you what, God wants to save everyone. And you know why? And these people spiritualizing verses, it bothers me. Because you know what? Read the Bible for what it says. It is practical. I tell you what, I love the Gospels. You know why? Because Jesus was so practical in his teachings. It's so easy to understand the words of Jesus. So, for the record, the, record, the, the God of the Bible will always save people from their sin. And those people, who are, whosoever will come, I mean, anybody that is unsaved, Come upon, upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So every human being out of the opportunity for either received the free gift of salvation or reject. It's not God that rejecting him. It's they that reject God. So if you're saved here today and you say, oh, I got saved next week. Oh, I got saved next year. I got saved when I, have a, when I feel like it. You know what? You are rejecting God. That's absolutely what you're doing. And if you die in your sin, you die with no excuse. Bible says there's no excuse for those who die without the Lord. If you miss heaven, it's not God's fault. It's your own fault. So God's promise of salvation is not limited to a select few, like I said, but His promise to whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Actually, Revelation chapter 22, 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride said, Come, and let him that hear it say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will... Let him take the water of life freely. John chapter 6 verse 37 says, And the Father, and, and that that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will not wise cast out. John 6 47 says, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me had everlasting life. Can we twist the words of Jesus? No. I did not do that. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, look what it says, shall, that's a good word, be saved. That's right. So salvation is always present. Salvation is available. And how dare we say, and well, some people are born just to go to hell. And people are born to go to heaven. I don't believe in such a thing. So it is clear from these verses that anyone who sense the need of salvation, who understands their loss and needs a Savior, can find grace and salvation in the arms of Jesus. I tell you what, I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that He saved me. So the only requirements for your participation in God's plan of salvation that you admit that you are a sinner. 
and you need salvation. Why? Because only those who are sick and know they are sick, they need a physician. You know what Jesus said? When we understand we're sick, somebody, I put it like this. I met a man. It's interesting. I went to his house. It was Portuguese family. And the, the daughter said to me, she was going to our church that we were going. She said to me, would you go to my parents' house and witness to them? I said, sure, I don't have any promise. Her. Will you be there? And she said, yeah, sure. I was like, you know what, because I don't want to knock on the door. <laughs> and they, they wouldn't be very, you know, sympathetic with me. Because I'll be there. So I went there and invited them in. So we would sit down. And I witnessed to both, husband and wife. The wife received Jesus as Savior. This guy never did. And I told him, I said, why don't you receive Jesus as, as your Savior? So, oh, I have my religion. What was he doing? He was rejecting God. It was like God says, I have no hope for you. No. No. He had the same opportunity the wife had. So, isn't I think, I don't want to miss my point here. His daughter said to me, my dad is sick, physically sick. And I look at him, and he goes, no, I'm not sick. He, she goes, dad, you have lumps all over your body. He goes, I'm not sick. You see, a person can be sick. Somebody can tell him he's sick. I don't know what's wrong with this part of it. I'm going to move over here. <laughs> I don't know what's over there. But anyway, a person can be sick and a person can be in denial. All right? Your doctor can say you're sick and you can be in denial and say, I'm not sick. But let me tell you, Jesus said, those who are sick, they need a physician. So a person needs to come to the point to understand, I am sick of sin. I, am, I need somebody to... Save me from my sin. And when that person comes to that place, Jesus comes in as a great physician and say, I can take care of you. If that person does not admit that is a sinner and that person is sick, it's the, the message of God is going to go over their heads every time because they don't want to hear it. So Jesus is the great physician, but the person must admit that he is sick. So the problem is not everyone is willing to admit that they are sick. Only those who admit they are sick, they find salvation in Jesus Christ. So Isaiah 2, 53, 6 says, And we are like sheep have gone astray and have turned, uh, turned everyone his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of a soul. So the fact that the Bible tells us that the best we can produce out of our own selves is you know, a pile of filthy rags. I'll tell you what, I was preaching one time in the Providence Rescue Mission and I preached on a a pile of filthy rags. That message didn't go well. <laughs> that message didn't go well. I mean, like, it was a message of salvation, but it was a lady there that actually she was angry with me because she kept saying, I'm not a filthy rag. I was like, well, I said, you like a filthy rag. And <laughs> it was hard. It was a hard. I said, you know this uh, uh, commercial that says, you want to get away? I, I, I wanted to get away out of that one. Uh, but I stuck with it, and I tried to help her, and she would not. But anyway, that's a message for another time. Number two, God's power to save. Now, 
that we know that we, the Lord has promised to save those who receive His plan of salvation, we need to know that He can do what He says and He will do. So just how does God can, can bring salvation to a person? When a sinner does go to God for salvation, when does that happen? So no, we, we are talking about God here, folks, not a person next door to you, now you're co-worker. I'm not, I'm not even talking about myself here as the preacher because I'm just a preacher of the gospel. We're talking about God here. God makes a promise. Listen, the God, the one who created you, the one who created the whole universe, He's making a promise to you and me. Do you believe that? So we see God, God's power to save. It's not my power. Let's focus. I don't have any power to save anyone. You follow that? I cannot save anyone. God does the saving. But listen to what we can do. We are the servants of God. We are to be faithful to go and bring the gospel to the othermost parts of the earth. You know what? I'll put it like this. We have a tool in our hands today. I believe someday when we depart and go to heaven, the Lord's going to tell us, what did you do with the things that I put on your disposal? You say, Lord, what is like that? You have a phone that can reach the othermost parts of the earth. Why don't you use it? You say, how can I use that? Put the gospel there. Put Bible verses there. Put things there. You say, well, but I only have one like. Who cares if there's no likes? You know, we live for the likes. Like, oh, I have 300, 5,000 likes. You know what? Put it there. Because even if they don't push a like, guess what? It's going to show up in their walls. They're going to see it. I don't look at my Facebook on the, li- on the likes. I just look. <laughs> I don't look at the likes. I don't want that, that, that stuff to bother me. So let it. He has the power to draw the sinner to himself. So looking back now, I remember the many times on which the Lord tried to, to get my attention before God said, like I said, folks, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a religious home. And I tell you what, we didn't have a Bible around us. But I remember the times that God put people in my path. To draw, him, to, to draw myself to him. Uh, the spirit of God was convicting me. I remember this man. I shared this before here. It was this young man that worked with me. And, uh, and I tell you, one time I, I, was, I was harsh. <laughs> I live in a world today. You know what? I, as many, I don't blame my childhood, but I grew up in my teenagers to a point on which life was about me. I didn't care about anybody but me. That was me. That was my life. It ain't like I... So when this guy approached me with the Bible, I made this guy cry. I mean, literally, he was in tears. And I said this before here. So much he was in tears and broken, and he punched out and went home. And I said, good, you quit. Good. I, you know, that was my words. And I talked with the guy next to me. He was looking at me. He goes, man, you made that guy cry. He, he's, he's, he, I think he's coming back. I said, well, he's coming here with this Bible. Blah, blah, blah. I'll go on and on and on. You know, you know like, I'm sick of it. You know, you know what? The next day, he shows up with a smile and comes the first thing he does. I, I, he greets me. He says, good morning. I look at him like, wow, I guess I didn't hurt you enough. You know, but that was me. But I guess what? Exactly. I mean, I believe if he would never come back, I probably would, hmm, on me. But you know what? His soft approach the next day, it touched me. You know what I did the same week? I went to him. I said, hey, listen. That's the guy that made him cry. Hey, listen, I got a question for you. I know you read the Bible all the time. I don't know how to look in that book. I said, you know, I heard that Mary had other children. Is that true? And he goes, 
Oh, yes. And I said, really? I said, can you show me? Flip, 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 right there. And I, uh, and I read it. I was like, how did you know it was there? You see the Spirit of God working? And it kept going. And you know what? It came to a point. I walked to a Baptist church. And I believe me. He said, you got saved the first message. No, I did not. I was hard. God had a lot of patience with me. It took me four months. You know what? I would go to church. The first time I walk in that church, when I walk out, I feel like, you know, like I, like I can't keep up with my legs. I want to just walk as fast as I came in. It's like, you know, because I knew I was lost. First time I walk in that church. The gospel was so, like, like simple to understand. I look, wow, if I die, I'm going to hell. You know what? I kept coming. I kept coming. My wife was working second shift at the time. You know what? I began to take my kids to a one that night on Wednesday night. Go to Bible study on Wednesday nights. Lost as a goose. And I tell you what, it took me four months. One time the pastor came to me and he said to me, why don't you get saved? Now I understood the word. And I said, I don't know. Why don't you just receive Jesus as your Savior? I said, I don't know. I was like, you know, I know you have this thing on Sunday mornings. Like, I'm afraid to do that. Like, you know, everybody's looking at you. And he goes, here's what you do. Put one leg out in the aisle and let the other one follow. They're like, really? I'm like, I'm telling you, when one leg goes out, the other one will start walking. I'm like, yeah. I was like, what about the people? He goes, they're praying for you. This is a guy that only cares about himself. I look at the pastor and said, these people are praying for me. That was a touch thing. Sunday morning, he's preaching. I don't remember the message, but he was preaching. And I did like he said. I know he was dead looking at me. I know he was looking at me. And I put the leg out. And he had one follow before I know I'm up in the altar. And this old man with the Bible there under his arm goes, Brother Page, he goes, can I help you? Hey, I, I need Jesus as my Savior. How you do that? Ah, oh, he got on the altar there. And he led me to the Lord. What a day. What a day of rejoicing. So he has the power to draw the sinner to himself. What the Lord does, literally the Spirit of God convicts people little by little by little to a point, you know what? We say, you know, we say to people like this, oh, that person will never receive Jesus as Savior. That person is hard as can be. Listen, folks, people do change. Circumstances of life change people. We have the Spirit of God in this world that can convict the heart of people. And you know what? Don't give up giving the gospel. Keep doing it. The Bible says, in season, out of season, just keep doing it. You know what? Because you never know. So he has the power to draw the sin into himself. The Spirit of God is in this world convicting the sinner of sin. Actually, go to 2 Peter 3, 9. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Why is the Spirit of God convicting the sinner? Because God wants, again, everyone to be saved. Look what it says there. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Listen, His promises are never late. God doesn't forget about His promise. He knows what He has promised. And look what it says. It says, as some men count slackness, like we. We promise today. We change our mind tomorrow. We forget, you know. I said, you know what? One time I remember. I'm going to read the rest of the verse. I had, a, a, I had to go, supposed to go to the restaurant with this guy for breakfast. A Christian brother. 
We just meet. So I'm there in the restaurant. I order coffee. And I said, I'm waiting on somebody. 15 minutes go by, half an hour go by. Let me give him a call. Give him a call. Hey, brother, where are you? I'm still in bed. Really? I said, what are you guys? Are you supposed to? Oh, yeah, I promise you. But I forgot. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, chapter, look at that. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering. That's a great word right there. To us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all, that's a beautiful word, they all shall come into repentance. So the Spirit of God is in the world convicting the sinner for what? So they can repent of their sin and get saved. So folks, I was enjoying my sin day after day. I was, believe me, I was not miserable. To be honest with you, people, all the lost are miserable. Let me tell you, I was enjoying my sin. You know why? But I'm glad I got saved. I'm glad I got saved. Praise the Lord that he didn't, he didn't give up on me. Praise the Lord for those people that he put on my path. Listen, folks, this is what we do. You might go somewhere, you might plant a seed. You might be the one who tilt the ground, soften that ground. You might be the one that comes with the water, mm -hmm, waters the seed. You know what? And you might be the one that does the reaping. You know, go over there and lead that person to Christ. You see, it's always a tool in all of us to do those things. God can use all of us for one purpose, to win sinners. So, folks, may, uh, uh, folks many will continue to resist the conviction. And you, will, and, uh, and you might just give up. But don't give up on them. Just keep doing, keep telling them. You know, I, like when, when, I don't like when people say, well, I'm not, I don't want to shove religion on people's uh, throats. We're not shoving any religion on people. So we're telling them to get saved. Let it be. He has the power to convict the sinner. When a sinner places his or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, God does a work of grace so powerful in their lives that it, it cannot be explained in human heart. Listen, how can God take a person that just cares about himself to become the preacher of the gospel? How can that happen? I don't know. It's not me because let me tell you, I'd care, I used to care just about myself. They come to a point that I care more about others than myself. So, number one, all your sin is immediately completely forgiven when you ask forgiveness. You don't have to live any longer under the guilt of your wrongdoing in the past. If you listen, folks, if whatever you have done in the past, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, is forgiven. Pastor, are you sure I've been forgiven? Yes, you have. And you know what? And here's the beauty of this. When we are saved and we sin against the Lord because we do sin, right? And we ask forgiveness. The Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us all of our sin. That means we don't have to live with the guilt of sin. When it's forgiven, leave it in the cross. Leave it there. Number two, the sinner becomes a child of God. Behold, with men of love, this is 1 John 3, 1, the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called, listen to this, the sons of God. One minute here. Did you pay attention to the words of John here? Let's read this again. Behold, with men of love, the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called, listen to this, the sons of God. That should sober us up. 
the sons of God. The one who gave me life, the one who created all, the one who sustained me. I am his child. Wow. This is simply awesome, isn't it? I, am, I became a child of God. God became my heavenly father. This gives me a reason to sing from time uh, until my lungs can't take anymore. It gave me a reason to sing. It gave me a reason to tell everyone. It, I'll tell you what. It is simply amazing. Don't you just want to jump for joy and tell the world about God? I'm a child of the king. Guess what? I'm a child of God. That should be a reason to me. Listen, to go to church, to read my Bible, to memorize scripture, to tell others about the Lord. And when I sing, to sing with joy. Listen, I, I preached in so many churches. Independent Baptist churches. And you know what? And I'm not to criticize you. Everybody does what they want to do in their churches. But I tell you, I walk in some churches that I sing, and we sing in there, look like God was in a morgue. I'm like, did Jesus die? What happened here? No joy. Where is the joy of singing? Let's look. Wow. But we don't have people that sing good. You know, we need some good singing. Listen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what we do. God didn't call professionals. He called willing people. You know what we do? We sing. One of our cats is what the Lord today used to tell me. You know what? How we sing out of tune. I said, brother, that's okay. Sing it with joy. God cares. What about the person in front of me? You know what? Maybe they need to hear that so they can sing too. <laughs> so anyway, let's go to letter C here. He has the power to seal the saints. Not only God have the power to save you, but also the power to keep you. You don't listen. Don't listen to anyone who's trying to convince you that uh, that that you lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you are forever saved. You are forever child of God. The other denominations who, who just who would say that. However, man is just man, and man have his own opinion. Let me tell you, but God is God, and God stands on his promises. Go to John chapter 10, verse 28. We're almost done. 10, 28. You see, God not only has a promise of salvation, but also God gives you the promise that once you are his, you are his forever. Look what it says in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep, you are the sheep. Are you one of God's sheep this morning? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. And I give unto them, look, look, look what it says, eternal life, and they shall never perish, is a promise, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There's another promise. My Father which given me is greater than all, and, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Father's hand is another promise. So once you saved, you are forever saved. Let's look. At, uh, go to our last point very quick. God provision to save you. Salvation that has been is been given by God. And now, how can God save you? Letter A, we see a substitute was provided. You know, you cannot save yourself. Adam cannot save yourself. Neither you can save yourself. Now, someone had to come as a substitute for your sin. That's where Jesus come in. You know what? Last week we had somebody come here to our food pantry, and it was a good conversation because I had the soldiers of God standing up, and it was great to see. You know what? We believe in a, high, believe in a higher power. Don't matter what you believe, you're all going to heaven. All right, I don't believe that, but anyway, that's what you're saying. You know what? Allah is the same as God. 
Oh, no, no, no. That's a moon god. My god is a different god. Oh, the god of the Bible is the same god of the Quran. No, it's not. Exactly. Two different gods. A substitute was provided. Jesus came in. And Jesus is not simply a prophet. He is God. He is the great Savior. He is the great Messiah. And let me tell you, He came so you and I can have salvation. You know what? Praise the Lord for Jesus. He came to save you and me. Let it be. A perfect sacrifice was provided. When Jesus was on the cross, His death and sacrifice was, was sufficient to provide for the saving needs of the entire world. Folks, not for some folks, but for anyone. So if you're lost here this morning, let me tell you, you have the opportunity to open your mouth, open your heart, and receive Jesus as your own personal Savior. It was a perfect sacrifice. And let us see, I'm just rushing a little bit here. A plan of salvation was provided. Now we come to the critical question. If God promised to save a man, if he has the power to save him, and if uh, he has provided the means for him to be saved, how does one go about being saved? The answer is found in our text here. We walk away from it, but look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever is the word, believe. You know, you cannot have faith if you don't believe. You cannot be saved if you don't believe. You, can, you cannot have your sins forgiven if you don't believe. What you have to believe is what you have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus came, that Jesus lived in this world, that Jesus went to Calvary's cross, and he was crucified for you. He shed his blood for you. He literally died. He went to that tomb, and three days later he rose again from the dead. You have to believe that. That is doctrine. So you have to believe that. He is alive forevermore. And let me tell you, when you believe that and you put your faith by believing in that, God can save you. You have to admit that you are a sinner in need of a great physician. Let me tell you, believe. We have to believe in order to be saved. My question to you this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe if you were to die today, you're going to heaven? You believe if you die today, you're not going to heaven. You believe that you are a sinner. If you are, then you need salvation. I'll conclude with this. Maybe there is someone here this morning who never really put a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as Savior. And let me tell you, our world grabbed the name of Jesus and turned His word upside down. Oh, He's a good prophet. Oh, he's a good man. He's this and that. No, he is the Messiah. He is God. He is the Savior, and you need him. There is no heaven without Jesus. Right. Here's the question. If you were to die right now, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? You have to ask yourself that question because it's between you and God. And you say, well, I'm not sure. Then make sure that you will die and go to heaven. Make sure of that. I tell you what, I made sure of that. I call upon Jesus to save my soul. And you know what? I never regret it to this day. I don't think he's a Christian out there that regrets that. I tell you what, what a day that was when I received my Jesus as Savior. I tell you what, I hope you do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord.